Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Will, what you doing over there? We got a podcast to record. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Amy. Uh, I got sucked into Facebook. I was looking up uh, friends I used to know in kindergarten. Oh, that's always a good use of time. Mm-hmm. The other day, I uh, got sucked into looking at pictures from a party I went to like eight years ago. I was on the 70th photo, and I was like, uh, Amy, is this a good use of your time? So I hope the answer was a resounding no. That's right. It was. So let me get right to the point here. People have a lot of polarizing feelings about social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I personally think what's important is how you use social media. But one thing I think everybody can agree upon is that posting selfies while robbing a bank or responding to your own wanted poster on Facebook is not a good use of social media. Okay, I didn't know exactly where you were headed there for a minute, but it's but it's making sense to me now. I would say that I am shocked, shocked, Amy, that suspects are actually dumb enough, brazen enough to turn themselves in on Facebook, but we've done enough episodes of this podcast for me to know better. Yeah, that's right. Hang out with us and we will knock the shock right out of you. I'm Amy Angelowitz for Investigation Discovery. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to our podcast, What the Crime, where we investigate the weird, wild, and shocking in the world of crime. Prepare for some serious oversharing today on our episode because we are going to be talking about social media. Part one, you know that's public, right? I feel like at the age I am, and I'm not going to say what age I am, but I've had the unique experience of knowing what it's like to exist and even be an adult pre-social media and post-social media. Of course, now I had, you know, AOL chat rooms. Come on, Will, I know you did too. 
MySpace. Yeah. Friendster, I'm really aging myself here with that. Amy, you're very young looking. Um, <laughs> Thank uh, you. So I, I don't mean to offend you. Do you remember dial-up modems? Uh, indeed, I do remember dial-up oh, modems. You are old. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. So the kids today are never going to know the excitement of waiting 20 minutes uh, while the dial-up modem connects to see if the person you have a crush on emailed you back. It's a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. It's sad for them. It's sad. It really is. Actually, not at all, really. You're right. It, dial-up, dial-up was, was time-consuming. It was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. But, like, knowing the world before social media and knowing it after, I think that it gives me some perspective on it. And what exactly is your perspective, Amy? Well, I'm going to have to oversimplify that. Like, way, way oversimplify it. But, like I said before, it, be careful how you use social media and never make it more real than your real life. Hashtag good call. See what I did there? So well, you're so hip. I know. <laughs> Real life, so that's like IRL, right? In real life, isn't that a thing? Yeah, IRL stands for in real life. You're correct about that. I've noticed when I am out sometimes with a group of friends who uh, I also interact with on Facebook or I'm friends with on Facebook, to some extent we share uh, reactions to uh, comment and like in actual person what we've seen happening in their life on Facebook. Like, oh, you just went to Guam. That's like very meta. It's awful. That that, like Facebook is the conversation driver. I'm sure I'm not the first person to comment on that, but it seems like a bit like that. That's a new level of something happening. Yeah, it's an it's interesting. I mean, people talk a lot about how social media is either saving the world or ruining the world or both. Yeah, that's true. And when I start feeling negative about it, there's some example of a cause or somebody who's getting helped or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Batman kid in San Francisco, right? Oh, you know, yeah, so the there's Batman stuff. Kid. There's stuff that makes a difference. It's true. But, okay, so how many people are on social media? Uh, like, do, we know, do we have any idea? Everyone, considering yeah. that my grandmother has a Facebook account. Love you, Graham. But, um, you know, actually, I looked it up. As of January of this year, the stat is that 81% of adults in this country have a Facebook account, and they're spending about three hours a day on social media, and that doesn't include the time that they're spending with their friends talking about what they did on social media. Well, well, I guess that explains also why people overshare so much in general. Oh, yeah, I guess it does. Well, oversharing, you've hit on one of my biggest social media pet peeves here. So my biggest pet peeve is everything. Uh, (laughs) Everything, that's huge. I mean, there's always the thing of, you know, making one's life, you know, seem maybe better than it is, but that's pretty much what we all do. Yeah, I, I call that humble bragging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, a really good humble brag is something to, like, I think, pay attention to, you know, when it's like, oh, you know, went to the awards dinner last night, spilled food on my shirt. So how do you respond to that? Do you like those ignore posts or ignore it. them? Yeah, I ignore them, too. So I suspected that this topic was going to come up. So I actually went ahead and made an entire list so I wouldn't forget of all of my social media pet peeves. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Let me get it out. Yeah. All right. No, it's an actual list. All right. I told you I made a list. I wouldn't lie to you, Will. So, okay, here we go. TMI updates about the minutia of your day, um, the minutia of your kid's day, and this includes things like meals or their most recent poopy diaper. Mm. Yeah. Uh, posting spam on my wall. Like, those are, oh, if you're my true friends, reshare this post and like it. Um, not into it. Um, tagging me in pictures that I have not approved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, humble bragging, like you said, about how great your life is, implying that the rest of us should have FOMO. And here's a big one for me. Posting more than five pictures a day unless you're on a once-in-a-lifetime vacation, and even then I feel like that's pushing it. You know what? 
I could go on here, but I feel like I'm just going to continue to alienate people that I'm friends with on Facebook. Sorry if I offended anyone. But we're here to talk about, let's get to it, truly the most unforgivable kind of oversharing, and that is of the criminal variety. Tell me about it. Okay, let's start with the cases where suspects actually respond to their own wanted posters. It sounds absolutely unbelievable, but it actually happens. So, example here. Monica Hargrove saw her mugshot on the Columbus, Ohio PD's Facebook page, and she responded to them right away and turned herself in. (laughs) That's, yeah, you're like, you're laughing. That's not the unbelievable part. The unbelievable part is why she turned herself in, because she thought her mugshot was unflattering. Oh, it must have looked awful. Well, the weird part is that it's actually attractive for a mugshot. Okay. You know? So she was just very critical of her appearance. Yeah. And listeners, you can pause and take a look at the mugshot on Crime Feed and see what you think. But, you know, I think it's pretty good for a mugshot. And I can't say the same about Andrew Dale Markham's mugshot. He's also from Ohio. The 21-year-old was wanted for safe cracking, abduction, assault, and domestic violence. When Andrew noticed that his mugshot was on the sheriff's office Facebook page, he decided to add a caption. Okay. Andrew quipped, I ain't tripping. Half of them don't even know me. What does that even mean? Don't know. But anyways, embracing the digital age, the sheriff's office chimed in and they commented back on the thread. And they said, Andrew Markham, if you could stop by the sheriff's office, that'd be great. Well, guess what? Andrew took them up on their offer. He stopped by the sheriff's office and turned himself in. And here's the coda. Once he was in custody, the Butler County Sheriff's Office posted a captured photo of him on their Facebook page with the caption, Andrew Dale Markham will be off Facebook temporarily because there is no social media access in Butler County Jail. He's turned himself in. (laughs) So there's a thread there. Uh, It seems like you said Ohio for both of those cases. Yep, yep, they were both in Ohio. Something about Ohio that makes people turn themselves in on Facebook? I mean, I'm thinking the cold weather. Oh, maybe. All right. It's like kind of like the anti-Florida. Exactly. And, God, Will, your setups are perfect today. And speaking of Florida, prime example of another kind of criminal oversharing took place in our favorite freaky state— Taylor Harrison of Port St. Lucie brought about his own incarceration by posting selfies of himself dealing drugs while the cops were nearby. Bold. And also dumb. Do you think he gets in his Facebook feed one year ago, this is what was going on, (laughs) you know? That's like his, yeah, they do. It's a sad reminder. (laughs) Yeah. Every year on the anniversary, two years ago, you were telling the cops that you were selling drugs. Oh man, that's bad. I feel bad about my one year ago. Imagine how he feels. And I haven't even gotten to touch upon another shocking Facebook phenomenon. And that is where people post horrifying and often criminal acts on their timeline. Like, there have been a bunch of acts of animal cruelty. A woman bragging about duct taping her dog's mouth shut with the caption, ha ha. Mm. Uh, Another woman bragging about how she burned a cat alive, saying, I swear I do not like animals, but the hate I have for cats, burn little MF, burn. Awful. To parents posting pictures of their kids that range from totally inappropriate, like a newborn baby holding a handgun. Inappropriate. Yeah, baby with a bong. More, also inappropriate. Very inappropriate. To what some consider blatant child abuse, a, a mother hanging her baby from a planter hook as punishment. And, and this couple who forced their kid to wear girls' clothes, and then posted the photos online to shame him. So those are all pretty awful. Yeah, I I mean... From pretty awful to really awful. I mean, I can't even. And I'm just scratching the surface. I think 
that Facebook is one of the most common words we see in our crime feed headlines. Yeah, I'm definitely getting that. But it gets much darker, especially when it comes to murder confessions. Yeah, I thought we would be headed there. I guess it's easiest for me to kind of explain this to you by telling one bone-chilling story that exemplifies how someone's Facebook profile can be a predictor for more violent behavior. A warning to our listeners, this story is quite disturbing. 32-year-old father of two, Keith Bella Jonas, had a history of posting racial slurs and violent threats on social media. He once tweeted, Want to shoot someone so bad right now? Although he didn't make good on his Twitter threat that day, he did eventually shoot someone. Two people, actually. According to reports, early on the morning of August 7th, 2014, Keith's half-brother, Kevin Fox, got a call from Keith saying that, quote, he didn't want to go into too much detail, but he might not be around much longer. Their call ended abruptly when Keith said, the princess just pulled up. I'll call you back. The princess Keith was referring to was his wife, 28-year-old Christina Bella Jonas, and he wasn't using the term princess affectionately. Keith suspected that Christina was cheating on him. Why? The couple's five-year-old son, Chris, found a box of condoms in Christina's bag, which allegedly prompted Keith to search more thoroughly. What he found next enraged him. It was a salacious letter from an inmate at a nearby jail, referring to the sex that he would have with Christina when he got out. Moments later, according to neighbors, they heard shouting and gunshots coming from the Bella Jonas's Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania home. Before Keith grabbed his two kids and sped away in his Nissan Pathfinder, he logged onto Facebook one last time to update his status. Thanks to Chris, I caught the blank cheating, confronted her and she got violent, but I won. It's no surprise that the story gets much more tragic from here. Keith took his boys to the Staten Island CVS where his half-brother Kevin worked, and he robbed him at gunpoint for a beer and a pack of cigarettes. The only saving grace is that he left the kids at CVS. Kevin promptly called the police after the incident to report it. Police closed in on Keith, and just as they were about to approach him, he turned the gun on himself. When police arrived at the Bella Jonas's home, they found the body of Christina slumped against the closet door. She had been stabbed multiple times and shot in the head. Amy, that's a really disturbing story, like extremely disturbing. And I'm just left wondering why in the world someone would post about a crime implicitly or explicitly on a public forum. We're getting there. That's coming up next. Part two, the science of social media. So Emily is here, crime feed correspondent extraordinaire. I hear you have become a savant of social media crime trends. I do spend most of my life on social media, reading and writing about crime, but there is actual academic research about this subject, and the research I found the most fascinating is a study about Facebook murderers, and that's out of the UK. So, yeah, I do sometimes think Facebook is killing me, or at least my grasp on reality. Tell me more about uh, what this study is about. So this study, which is actually... The full title is Making Sense of Facebook Murder, Social Networking Sites, and Contemporary Homicide, 
profiled 48 homicides that have a Facebook element and determined that all of the murderers fell into one of six personality types. And like me, Amy, and Barry working on our crime blog, the authors, Professor Elizabeth Yardley and her colleague, Professor David Wilson, noticed the prevalence of headlines including Facebook murder, Facebook killer, and they wanted to study the role social networking sites actually played in homicide. So I guess it was uh, predictable, you know, maybe that we would get to this point with social media. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now, imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, but it's also, it's really pretty scary. Yes. And um, once I list out the six types of personalities, you may or may not be more scared. So there is the reactor, the informer, antagonist, fantasist, predator, and imposter. Okay. And most homicides fall in those first three. All right. Tell us about uh, an example of the reactor. Okay. So think of someone that becomes irrationally upset based on a Facebook interaction. 
like Scott Humphrey. Um, he saw that his friend had poked, if you know the, the interaction, on Facebook, poked his girlfriend. And then he got so upset about that that he fatally wounded the friend. How does something that happens online force someone or make someone feel as though they have to take action offline? And then you have the antagonist. And that term describes someone who escalates a virtual Facebook fight offline. So like Virginia Weich, who shot her friend after they were arguing on Facebook. Uh, You mentioned the first one, I think, was the reactor, right? And uh, that one sounds uh, really pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get to talk to Professor Yardley, and she actually noted that that first personality type is especially worrisome for her. Um, She's really interested in understanding the importance of social sites and how they impact our relationships, like how many people are using these sites for good to maintain a healthy relationship versus people that are using them in an antisocial or abusive way, like the Bella Jonas case. And then why is something like a poke or a like impactful enough to upset someone to the point that they take action offline, like murdering someone? So does age or gender play a role here? Good question. I asked Professor Yardley about that too. And she did see more young people in her sample, which is not surprising given that the average age of a Facebook user skews young. But the interesting thing is she saw that when it comes to gender, there is kind of a reverse trend of what you typically see. When you look at homicides outside of social networking sites, men are typically committing the crimes and most victims are male. But in her study, she saw that the dynamic changes. In the sample she looked at, women were overrepresented as victims. So there's a connection to domestic violence here, potentially. Her study doesn't specifically draw that insight, but one of her colleagues is researching the topic of social networking sites and domestic homicide. And the professor told me about another disturbing case. It was about this guy, Tony Bushby, who made a ton of fake friends on Facebook to convince his girlfriend that he was popular, and then he killed her. Um, The professor was fascinated at how people are willing to trust what they see on social media. And that case you mentioned is an example of of that group, the fantasist group, right? Exactly. This guy and many other people build a fake world online, and that's often referred to as catfishing. Probably seen or at least heard of the documentary turned MTV series. It's alarming how many people trust what they see on Facebook, at least to a certain extent. And so how is this study impacting crime? Academics are looking at how social networking sites factor into homicide, and ultimately the hope is that if we understand how victims and perpetrators use social networking sites, we might be able to figure out a way to better detect, prevent, and prosecute homicides. Professor Yardley also brought up Vester Lee Flanagan, who murdered a Virginia television reporter and a cameraman on live TV. After the shootings, there was a ton of media coverage about his really disturbing social media activity. And I recall his Facebook profile and postings were very disturbing. So maybe if we had solid insights into what is criminal behavior, we could prevent these kinds of tragedies. Uh, Maybe we should probably look beyond Facebook. Are there Pinterest murders, for example? There hasn't been extensive research on that topic, um, but anecdotally, we do see a lot of social media sites in our crime coverage, Um, like a man Snapchatting photos of himself holding a gun to his girlfriend's head, and then later she was found shot. I can't even count how many times I've written about someone posting Instagram photos of stolen goods with the caption acknowledging that they are stolen. Um, But most people spend their time on Facebook when you look at social media activity overall, so it makes sense that that's where the most criminal-related postings are happening. Okay, so that's not to say we should use Facebook less as a safety measure, though. No, not at all. I mean, that would be like saying you won't drive because you're afraid of getting in a car accident. It's still really worthwhile to study how much of this activity is positively impacting our lives. All right. Thanks, Emily. 
Next up, Crime Feed correspondent Barry Blitch will talk to Amy about how law enforcement is using social media. Part three, social media outreach, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, Amy, I'm already hired for this job. You certainly are. Thank you. But if you were hiring me now, do you think you'd take a look at my social media accounts before you did? And I would find all those funny memes on your timeline. Listeners, Barry has a lot of funny memes on her timeline. I know this because we're already Facebook friends. But yes, hypothetically, if we were not already Facebook friends and you didn't already work here, then yes, I would definitely look at your Facebook page because the line between professional life and your personal social media are totally blurred nowadays. I'd want to know what I was getting into with you. So exactly. Digital and real world, I'm doing air quotes here, realms are not separate. And you'd be dumb to think that police aren't taking advantage of all this info. But I was surprised exactly by how much. Here's the figure, 81%. So yes, a full 8 out of 10 law enforcement professionals actively use social media as an investigation tool, not just personally, according to a report from just last year. A quarter of them use it every single day for work. And all those numbers are projected to only grow as their reliance on social increases. You know, we see a lot of police departments that have Facebook pages. And, you know, we often reference them on Crime Feed articles. And sometimes those pages are very social media savvy. And then sometimes uh, law enforcement on social media goes terribly wrong. Uh, I'm thinking of the NYPD campaign, My NYPD, that they did on Twitter to try to improve relations with civilians, and it backfired terribly. Um, People started posting pictures of the NYPD committing acts of misconduct. It was an epic fail, let's say. It wasn't a terribly well-conceived campaign, considering that Twitter is the platform for whistleblowing. Yeah, it sure is. Um, So, I'm curious about some of the other ways police use social media, not public facing, but like, as you mentioned, more as a tool for investigations. So is it the same kind of like shady sleuthing that I do where I'm on Instagram, deep on Instagram, trying not to double tap on some stranger's photo or what? You are really good at that. Thank you, Barry. I take great pride in it. Yeah, well, they're basically working with the same platforms that we are. They can see what's public, but of course can't see what's private. Some have access to special APIs and tools, but the interesting tidbit I learned in my research was that more than half of law enforcement agencies still don't have a formal social media investigation process. Some can't even access Facebook at work. But didn't you say like 81% of them were using it or something? That's crazy that they wouldn't be able to access it at work. Are they like going home and sleuthing from their own profile? I guess they get around the firewall somehow. God. Yeah, can you imagine? Nope, we sure don't have that problem here. No, (laughs) always on Facebook. And Facebook is overwhelmingly the platform they monitor. The runner-up is actually, can you guess? Twitter. It's actually YouTube. YouTube? Yeah. Well, I guess because people post all those videos of themselves doing illegal things. But that being said about how they can't see any more info than any average Joe can see, what's different is the way they use it. They use it to piece together complex drug networks person by person. And you think you analyze people's photos? Cops have you beat. One said he or she, quote, located a very unique three-finger ring used in an assault used Facebook photo to ID ring with victim, and also used it to match marks left during the assault. You know, it's funny because that almost sounds more old school, even in its simplicity. Like, it's 
straight-up evidence matching. Yeah, very true. It's not like DNA or anything. It's just a photo. But they monitor, connect, and delve so much more. The NYPD Intelligence Division tracks teenagers' street names and gang affiliations. The Housing Bureau Chief, Joanne Jaffe, said, I quote, We are coming to find you and monitor every step you take. And we are going to learn about every bad friend you have. That sounds very threatening. It also sounds a little bit scary that they can really judge you on every friend you have. And the likes that you do, that seems problematic to me. Yeah, they have. And yeah, this is where so many questions pop up. Should you really be put under suspicion when you like the post of a supposed drug dealer? Yeah, but what if you don't know he's a drug dealer? Is that a fair reason to label someone and throw them in some database forever? Or if you accept a friend request from a fake profile made by a cop, then you could be tracked instantly. All the more reason not to accept friend requests from people you don't know. I spoke to Hani Fakori of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which describes itself as the leading nonprofit organization defending civil liberties in the digital world. Hani was very helpful in understanding these greater questions. Now, you know, it's, it's fun and, and kind of head-scratching to see people who post pictures of themselves with guns, with dead bodies. What about um, people who go to uh, a protest? Basically, the more I asked him, the farther we went down a rabbit hole of what-ifs with social media and crime. So keep your Facebook friends close and enemies and new people you don't know. Do not accept their friend requests. Got it. Nope, leave them in that friend purgatory forever. Because they can 100% legally use any evidence that your supposed friends give out. For example, a suspected New York gang member named Melvin Colon was facing murder, weapons, and narcotics charges. He had been seen on a public Facebook post flashing gang signs, but that wasn't what lost him his claims to privacy. The judge in his case wrote that his, quote, Legitimate expectation of privacy ended when he disseminated posts to his friends because those friends were free to use the information however they wanted, including sharing it with the government. Here's more from Hani Fakori. 30 years ago, nobody had little mini computers with built-in phones and video cameras and microphones in them. And that's what the future is going to be, is going to be, you know, trying to sort this all out. But after these sorts of scary examples, there are other ways authorities can use social for good. For example, they can much more easily receive tips about crime. They can leverage their own accounts to share public safety info or to find credible witnesses. Yeah, it's good when social media can be used as a way to communicate positively with the public. It can be a two-way street. It doesn't have to be all sleuthing, spying, and stalking. I do want to leave you with one final word of warning, though. Be careful who you poke. In 2009, a woman named Shannon Jackson violated a restraining order by poking a contact on Facebook. Just by poking. So the moral of the story, respect people's virtual space. Will, did you hear that? Unwanted poking can lead to arrest. You better stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Uh, Roger that, Amy. Good to hear. It's true about social media being kind of a reflection of who you are. I mean, granted, it's a very filtered and manicured reflection, but it's still a window into your private life. So that seems to make sense. If your personal life is a life of crime, uh, I don't mean to laugh, but then it's not too surprising that the criminal activity would find its way 
onto your Facebook profile. And I suppose that criminals bragging or doing idiotic things in full view of the public is really nothing new. Yeah, not a, not at all. I mean, think of fugitives who turn themselves in, not even on Facebook, just in general, or people who return to the scene of their crime. Yeah, I was trying to think of like the precursor to what this would be like when you post on Facebook about a crime. Maybe it's just... Running through the public square, <laughs> <laughs> being like, I stole that. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know. Tell, well, like you said, like people turning themselves in or maybe just like telling your cellmate, your celly, <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or just hey. a friend. You, t- you know, you're, yeah. you you tell somebody, hey, you know, you can't, you got to just share it. You confess. Yeah. Yeah. You stole a bunch of money and yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess humans are prone to brag or humble brag, as you say, and generally do stupid things without regard to who might be watching. And in the age of social media and beyond, the place to see and be seen for any criminal is Facebook, followed by YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. It's really kind of frightening. But also, let's not forget that people seem to look for social media when they want, like, redemption for crimes. Yeah, another human social media truth. There is no more public place to seek forgiveness than good old Facebook. Amy, I feel confident that if we heed your long list of social media don'ts and we don't engage in a life of crime we can feel okay about how much time we spend on social media. Agreed. And let me take this time to encourage our listeners to follow us on social media at facebook.com slash crimefeed and on Twitter at ID Crimefeed, where you can read all about the stories you've heard this week and tell us what you think is and isn't okay to share on social media. What the Crime is presented by Investigation Discovery, America's leading mystery and suspense network. It's written, researched, and produced by Will Johnson, Emily Kaiser, Barry Blitch, and me, Amy Angelowitz. Edited by Will Johnson, recorded and mixed by Joe Powers. Music by Lewis Weeks, artwork by Anand Galat. Want more What the Crime? Find us on iTunes and subscribe, and tell all your friends on Facebook to do the same. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Nickelodeon was kid everything, but that marked one of the darkest chapters. Three predators worked at Nickelodeon. It made me wonder who was being hurt. Quiet on set. An ID true crime event. Sunday, March 17th at 9 on ID and stream on Max.